Today I'm going to be talking about Elijah. Last week, if you were here, Dennis talked to us a little bit about Elisha. Elijah is the guy that came before Elisha. The only way I can keep those straight is one has a J in it, one has an S in it, and the J comes before the S. Uh, otherwise, I always kept getting those guys mixed up, so I had to figure out a way to label these dudes so I could keep track of them. And so uh, today I just want to talk about how, you know, sometimes, uh, oftentimes I'm in, I, ha I have conversations with people or I'm around someone and they're talking about uh, the faith of a new believer. You know how when you first get born again, it seems like anything you pray for, the, the prayers are answered. You know, you want to be around a new believer. They're on fire. They have all this faith. And it seems like all their prayers are answered. But then as you walk with the Lord and time goes by and there's disappointments happen and some prayers don't seem to be getting answered and on your timeline, it seems like our faith kind of settles down a little bit. And if we're not careful, the devil will convince us to, to quit hoping, to quit, quit dreaming. Don't even pray about it anymore because it probably won't happen. And if, if it's going to happen, God's going to make it happen. You don't really have to pray about it. And so today I want to try to encourage all of us. Well, even if you're not saved today, the, the message is the same thing for you. If you're churched or unchurched, if, if this is the second Sunday you've ever been in church, you gave your life to the Lord last week, or you gave your life to the Lord way back in the 70s, it's the same message. I want to encourage all of us to believe that we're priceless. Amen. We were handpicked by God himself. You were created special and unique. Thank you, Sharon, for sharing your gift today. Thank you. We're all different. And if we're not careful, we'll think, well, they can do that better. Or together they can do that. They don't really need me here. They don't really need me there. Besides, I tried to do some stuff in the past, mixed results, I think I'm just kind of ready to let other people come. I want to encourage you guys. You're special. You have a call in your life. God wants to use you right here, right now. All of us need each other. There's no extras here. There's not like 15 important people and all the rest of us are extras. We're all important here. We all need what we all carry. And I want to talk about Elijah today. Because Elijah was the man. Now, there's lots of prophets in the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, I mean, Moses was the man. Moses had the rod of God, and he could do some pretty amazing stuff with that stick. Amen? Am I talking too fast? Okay. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's other different prophets that do that. Usually prophets are known for bringing the word of God, right? They're like Isaiah. Boy, Isaiah's got this huge book. It's got like 61 chapters in it. Some of those chapters have like 60 verses in them. And so Isaiah is known for all these amazing things that God gave him to give to us. Elijah wasn't known so much for what he said. Elijah was known for what he did. He was the prophet of signs and wonders. And so he lived his life out of a word that God gave him that he's going to do great things for him. And guess what? Elijah went around doing great things for God. I, I put together just a little list. This is definitely not uh, all inclusive of what Elijah had done in his life. But just to get us thinking about some of this stuff, this is just a fraction of what Elijah did for the Lord. Uh, he caused the rain to stop raining for three and a half years. He, he stopped the rain, the whole nation, not going to rain anymore for three and a half years. Go. Stop. That's a pretty good trick. Um, he was fed by ravens. He went up on top of this hill. He got fed by ravens, food and water. Now, I don't know how a raven can carry a Diet Coke while he's flying, but <laughs> he, he fed him and brought him water up there. Um, wow. 
He had this woman, he stayed at her house. He was a traveling prophet going around. He stayed at this woman's house. He prophesied that she was going to have a boy or a baby, a son, and she did, and the son grew up and died. And Elijah came through, and she had, the son had just died like that day or the day before. Elijah brought him back to life. That's a pretty big sign. Um, he called fire from heaven onto the altar of God. And I'm going to get into this story a little bit more. But he called fire down from heaven, lit this whole altar up. That would be awesome. Come on. There's Every man in here, when you were a boy, didn't you love playing with fire? Let's be honest. Uh, every man in here, don't you still love playing with fire? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about that story a little bit more later. Elijah was so good at fire. Um, one time he was up on the mountain doing what prophets doing that prophety thing that they do, and, and the king, who really hated his guts, sent uh, let me make sure fifty fifty soldiers over to basically arrest him, take him off that mountain. Elijah called fire down on him and, and cooked him, Whoa. burnt him up, all fifty. So. Some of the eyewitnesses ran back, told the king what happened. The king got ticked off, sent 50 more. Elijah burnt them up too. <laughs> I mean, it's like, how long are we going to go? I bet it's tough to get that third batch of volunteers. Uh, I'll go get him, boss. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Um, Elijah, at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, you want to talk about proof that you are well done, good and faithful servant? How about God send you a, a heaven Uber? A heaven taxi cab, a heaven chariot. It was made of fire. There was a horse of fire pulling a chariot of fire. Elijah and Elijah are just kind of walking down the street chit-chatting. And this, it says this chariot comes in, separates them, and somehow pulls Elijah into this chariot of fire and takes him up into heaven. Now, for me, I don't think you can say, well done, good, faithful servant, any louder than that. So as we look at the story about Elijah and some of the stuff he went through and some of the choices he made, where he ends up and how God deals with him, think about yourself. Because the devil tries to convince us you didn't do it long enough, good enough, smart enough, bright enough, da-da-da-da-da, on and on and on. He's constantly telling us, you should have done more, you should have done less. You ought to shut up, you ought to wait for this, you ought to wait for that. Your time has passed, your time isn't here yet. Baloney. You can write that down. That's theologically sound baloney devil, shut up. I'm called by God. All of you have been called by God. We, we didn't figure out with a calculator, oh, that's what salvation is? Okay, yeah, I like salvation. All of us were spoken to, spirit to spirit, by God Almighty. All of us have heard at some level the Holy Spirit speak to us about the love of God. That's why we gave our lives to the Lord. Otherwise, it's just a theory that somebody else believes in. I'm not giving my life to some theory. I didn't believe in anything until the God of the universe spoke to me spirit to spirit and confirmed me that the gospel was true, that Jesus Christ really did die for everybody's sins, and he died for Mike Young's sins. And God the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, said to me, maybe not this clear, maybe not in English, but I understood it just as sure as anything in my whole life. If I put my faith in Jesus Christ, God would forgive all of my sins and adopt me into his family, and I'd have open heavens with him for the rest of my life. Amen. Greatest deal in the universe. It's still changing my life. People are giving me grills because of that decision. 
So I want to encourage us today. We are precious. We're more precious than jewels. That's what the Bible says. We're more precious than gold and silver. We're the most expensive thing in the universe because God paid for us with his son, Jesus Christ. We've all got a call in our life. We've got purposes in our lives. We've got good things to walk in because God ordained it. And so just like Elijah, we have our ups and our downs. God never gives up on us. No matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter how long it's been since we tried or even felt like believing anything, God hasn't given up. God's excited to be with us today and work with us today. Okay? All right. So let me back up a little bit here. Um, I was going to go into some of Moses, but I don't think I have enough time to talk about Moses and Elijah today. <laughs> Unless you guys want to hang out till about two or three. <laughs> okay, everyone amen. <laughs> I'll give you the notes. <laughs> so with Moses, Moses did all this amazing stuff over in Egypt, right? He, God talked to him, went over to Egypt, did all these things. Ten, arguably the ten greatest signs and wonders ever. Certainly the ten greatest in a row by one person kind of driving the whole thing with the ten plagues of Egypt, and then God brings them guys out. Wow, that's amazing. But in all that, you know what's greater than that? Is how God revealed himself to Moses person to person. Because as he came out of there, he still had not had the experience where he went out on the mountain and God comes to him in the mountain. And by the way, we're, I'm going to talk about Elijah a little bit more. So just remember these three things. When God shows up and wants to really show himself to people, it was with earthquakes, it was with high winds, and it was with fire. And so Moses goes through all the stuff in Egypt, has all these amazing things. God brings him and millions of other people out of Egypt, and he calls them up on top of Mount Sinai, where it says it was burning with fire, smoke billowing out of there, and an earthquake that was breaking rocks apart from it. And then God got done with all that. He impressed all the people that were looking from a distance, but when God wanted to get close to Moses, he stopped all that stuff. He brought Moses over in a cleft of a rock, and he declared to him in a still, small voice, this is my name. And he told him what his real name is, and his name is this, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, and forgiving iniquities and judging the guilty. That's what he proclaimed to him. God wasn't showing him in the plagues. He wasn't doing all this stuff. That was his will unfolding. But when God wanted to show who he was, he declared his name to Moses. I am gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Isn't that awesome? When you think about God, I, I, I want to be close to you today. Well, that'll work out great because I'm gracious and compassionate. I'm slow to anger. I'm rich in love. Come on in. Oh, Okay. Rather than, well, I haven't prayed enough yet. Well, when you pray enough, then you come give me a call. Yeah, but I, I cussed my head off when I pitched my finger in the car door. So, well, when you quit swearing, you come and talk. Ugh. Wow. It's the exact opposite of that. Come on over here. I got all the power in the world, but I still want to spend time with you. Come over here. Let's, let's just chit-chat for a minute. So remember that stuff as we get into Elijah. So last week, Dennis talked to us about Elisha and legacy. And Elisha did all that he did because Elijah had great faith and brains enough to pray this one amazing prayer. Because Elijah did a whole bunch of signs and wonders too. You can Google that, Miracles by Elijah. You'll get a list about that long. But the most amazing prayer that Elijah prayed, in my opinion, is that he asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He recognized 
He had a relationship with God, and God was doing something amazing in this man. And all he knew to ask was, I want double of that. That looks pretty good. Give me a double portion. You know, sometimes in church we can think, well, oh, I just want to be humble. I, I, I want to be like Mother Teresa. I don't need anything. I'll just kind of grovel and kind of make it way, make my way through life. And I just want to be humble. It's like, I don't see that in the Bible. I, I do not see that in the Bible when it comes to the presence of God and want more from God. Do you remember last week Dennis told us a story about Elijah, Elisha went and talked to the king? And he said, now take these arrows and hit them on the ground. And the king goes, tap, tap, tap. And Elijah blows a casket. He says, you nitwit, if you'd have done more than that, you'd have won everything. But instead, since you only did three, now you're only going to have a tiny little victory because you didn't ask God for enough. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. I want to encourage us today. We want to have godly character, absolutely, 100%. We want to be like Christ on the inside. But we want to be like Christ on the outside too. Can you imagine Jesus walking around preaching and never doing any signs and wonders? I, I don't think things would have unfolded like we, we think about. So Elijah says, I want double what this guy has. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So um, he's walking through, doing all these things. I already told you about the list of these miracles. I want to highlight on the one specific miracle. So here's Elijah doing signs and wonders galore. Everybody knows him. He's the prophet of the signs. And he comes a point in time when King Ahab, who is so ungodly, he worships the devil. He has his own priests that worship the devil. And they basically are having this big old event. And old Elijah, he's sheriff in the town. He comes riding up, gets off his fire horse. No, that was later on in the story. <laughs> Elijah comes strolling up. He's got his old prophet outfit on. I think all of them had like a like a staff, big old rod of God type thing. They worked for Moses, so they probably all carried one with them. They had the big old ski scarf on. Well, they called them mantles, but around here in Michigan, we call them winter scarfs that kind of go around your neck and hang down. That, that would have been his, his gear for the day. He comes striding up, and he yells at all the Israelites. He, he, calls at, he yells at the church community going, what, what are you guys doing? You're putting up with this mess. These guys are worshiping the devil. Believe in all that mess. And here we are, we're Christians. We believe in God Almighty. We believe in Jesus Christ. Why is there a mixture? Come on, we're going to settle this thing. Everybody that wants to believe in all these, this false religion and demonic activity and all that crap, you, excuse me, all that stuff, you go over there. But if you're over on God's side, come stand over here. And then he said, this is what we're going to do. I want to make sure everybody knows who's the real God. This is such a cool story. I love this story. <laughs> So he says, this is what we're going to do. You guys build your little old demonic altar over there, and I'll, I'll build my God altar over here. And then you guys pray to your God, and you ask him to show up, and I'll pray to my God, and he will show up. And the, the God that answers by fire, now what's his go-to? Fire. So it's almost like he was cheating, man. He was waiting for this thing his whole life. It's like Babe Ruth coming up to the plate. Well, what do you guys want to do, have a throwing contest? No, let's, let's have a home run contest. Yeah, okay. That's what, that's what Elijah did that day. So he says, you guys go for it. So they do it and they carry on. And they literally went for hours. And Elijah, man, this dude had attitude. He, he did. At one point he's like, hey, maybe you need to yell louder. I, I think you got, he's not doing anything. Maybe he's sleeping. And he walks away and these guys do more of their stuff and they're killing animals and they're carrying on. They're cutting themselves and all this stuff. And screaming. He comes over and if you look in the original language, he literally comes over. He goes, hey, 
Maybe you need to yell even louder. I think he's in the bathroom. Now that dude's picking a fight using stuff like that. Come on. So he gets done. Finally, they're all done. They can't do anything. He says, you guys ready? All right. So he comes over. He tells the believers how to make this altar, and he sets it all right with the stones. He puts sticks on it. He cuts, uh, he sacrifices some animals, puts them on it. And I think he paused for dramatic effect. <laughs> He's looking at all these guys. They're all mass probably just, oof. Anyway, I want to make sure you guys know that this is real. So go get some water. So they go out and they get four huge pots of water. He says, no, dump it on there. What? Yeah, just dump it on sacrifice. Because when my God answers by fire, I want to make sure you guys know it wasn't some uh, static electricity or some kind of crazy thing. So they dump it on. He says, now do it again. Just do it again. So they get the four pots, fill it up, they dump it again. He goes, now do it a third time. And so they did it, and it, it soaked everything, and there was a trench around it. They had water totally filled in the trench. All this stuff is soaked. He says, so you guys ready? This is such an awesome prayer. I got to pray. I got to back up a little bit. It's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 has the prayer. If you go down to verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back to you again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the woods and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, here we go, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to him, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized him and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishron and executed them all right there. So here's Elijah Known as signs and wonders, this is the ultimate of ultimate. I mean, you guys, all of us men in here that have played with fire way too many times, especially as young men, uh, older teens, uh, late teens, early 20s, bigger's always better. That's where we got, like, we got enough freedom that we could actually play with fire. <laughs> no one yell at us. You, you remember the stupid stuff we did? <laughs> How about, like, you dump so much gas on this thing, and then you light it, and it's like, oh, that's cool. So then the next time, uh, like 10 times more gas on it, right? You're emptying everything you have on this thing, and then it's the old, whoosh, and the hair's gone off your hands and your arms, and uh, all of us have lost an eyebrow or two, right, if we're going to be honest about all this stuff. That's kind of the fire that happened here. When he called that fire down and that fire came from heaven and hit that stuff, go whoosh. That must have been so cool. That must have been so, I mean, all the crowd, he didn't have to preach. Preaching's over. Kaboom. Oh, the Lord God is God. Man, hallelujah. Glory to God. That would have been so cool. That's, so here's this guy, did all that stuff. King Ahab, the wicked King Ahab, still in the crowd, though. He's still around. I don't think he hit the deck. 
He didn't care. His heart's so hard and he's so demonized. Couldn't have cared less. Sign of wonders, not going to change anything for him. So Elijah goes over to him. He says, I'm going to start praying for rain. And he, they look around. There's nothing. Elijah goes up. He prays seven times. Finally, the seventh time, the rain starts coming. And Elijah goes down to King Ahab and says, uh, you, better, you better hit it because it's going to start raining so hard. If you don't leave right now, you're not going to make it home. It's going to flood. So he starts, he hops in his chariot, takes off, goes back home. Elijah gets caught up in the spirit, beats him to his house, barefooted. This dude's in the chariot. Elijah's barefooted. Track. So he shows up there. They have a little bit of a confrontation. Um, he leaves from there. Ahab goes and whines to his demonic wife, who was literally a witch. The term Jezebelic spirit is from that woman, who was Jezebel. Jezebel says, he did what to what? He, he killed all my pet prophets. He, he ruined my church thing. Oh, okay. Well, here, you go tell the stupid prophet. You tell him this. Uh, may God do worse to me if you're still alive by tomorrow. So those guys go and they tell oh, the prophet Elijah, Jezebel says she's going to kill you. You're going to be dead by this time tomorrow. He panics and runs off and hides in a cave. When they say this woman or church leader has a Jezebelic spirit, that's a pretty serious thing. Just scripturally looking at this theologically, this prophet just annihilated 450 of these demonic priests. 450, it's, that number's listed in Kings. One woman with a Jezebelic spirit terrorized him. That's when you know you're messing with principalities and powers. The Bible says there's levels of demonic forces. Most of us just mess with demons, demonic stuff. Demons have bosses. Those guys got bosses. Those guys got bosses. I think the Jezebelic spirit taps into something like this because the Jezebelic spirit wants to stop God's work and God's plan and God's will, and it wants to emasculate men. And so when Jezebel sent that thing with her spirits with it, it got right into the heart of Elijah, and he runs. And if you read the story, for time's sake, I just want to encourage you. This is 1 Kings 18 or 1 Kings 19. He runs and hides in this cave. So you guys still in 1 Kings 19? Okay. So, oh, by the way, he runs. He now leaves. He, he's, he basically goes and, hunt, goes and lays underneath this bush, and an angel comes and says, hey, wake up and eat. Had cooked him a fresh meal. Elijah eats it, goes back to sleep. Angel wakes him back up and says, hey, eat again. So he eats a second meal. He says, now go over here to meet with the Lord. It's 334 miles, if you find these things on a map. That's how far he now walks without ever eating again. God gave him two meals. And then sent him on this journey and gave him supernatural strength. Do you think Elijah noticed that he was walking in a miracle every step of 334 miles? He didn't get it. He, he was depressed. And even with an angelic sign and wonder and a conversation and evidence of angels right there, it didn't encourage him. So he goes out of obedience 334 miles, goes up to this place and goes into this cave. Verse 9 in 1 Kings 19. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, uh, what are you doing in here, Elijah? <laughs> Do you know sometimes when I get discouraged, it seems like the Holy Spirit comes to me and goes, Mike, what are you doing here? 
Well, I think it's pretty obvious I'm having a pity party. I'm sitting here, I'm sulking, I'm thinking about a bunch of negative thoughts. Hello? Right? Don't we all get there? Elijah was there. We didn't invent this stuff. Bible char- great Bible characters act just like us. So what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10. So he said, well, I've done great things since I was a baby Christian. I did all this great stuff, and now my life's went to hell in a handbasket, and I'm just giving up. It's only me. Nobody else is doing anything, and I'm sick of trying. Okay, we'll, we'll read and see what he said. Verse 10, so he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets of the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Doesn't that sound like a pity party? So certainly you can't ask God for anything when you have a bad attitude, right? Don't we have to be perfect before we ask him anything? No, that's a lie. That's when we need to ask for something, when we know we're struggling, when we know we're not living up to what we want to live up, when we're doing out of our feelings what we could do out of faith. So, oh, that's when we really got to call on God. Verse 11, then the Lord says to him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Isn't that amazing? You remember all the stuff I talked about with Moses? I kind of highlighted a few things, how God, he did all these amazing things. But when he really wanted to get to Moses, he called him aside, put him in a cleft of the water. It got quiet, and he talked to him in a still, small voice. This is who I am. I'm gracious and merciful, long-suffering, slow to anger. This guy, there's an earthquake, there's a hurricane, and there's a fire. Didn't move him a bit. Then the still, small voice comes to him. Look at verse 13. So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Hold on a second. Wait, what? How come that's not ever told in this story? Did you notice what just happened in there? God talked to him when he was in that cave, and he said, come out here. And then God did all this amazing stuff, and when it's done, God spoke to him in a still, small voice. Where was he standing when he talked to him in the still, small voice? He was still in the cave. God said, come out, and he did all the razzmatazz, and he totally missed it. Wow. So the angel cooked you a couple meals, had a whole conversation with you. You supernaturally went 40 days, over 300 miles without food or water. All this is amazing stuff, man. You should be ready to just raise the dead. And like, what else do we got to do for you? I alone am here. And nothing else is working out. And all your people already gave up and they want to kill me. It's like, whoa. It's just, to me, it's just, it's mind-boggling. So certainly God's about to strike him dead, right? If his attitude's this bad, let's see what happens here. Um, so I'm just going to back up. Verse 13, so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, uh, what are you doing here, Elijah? Same question he asked a little bit ago. <laughs> And he said, well, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Nothing has changed with this dude. You talk about being stuck. I'll guarantee you, all of us as Christians, 
somewhere along the line, you have been stuck before with the Lord. It feels like none of my prayers are getting answered. I read the Bible. It's really dry. Sometimes I'm daydreaming at church. It's like, ah. So what's going on? Well, I'm still having a pity party. Hello. Man, nothing's changed. He literally, word for word, says all this again. So God says in verse 15, then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimishi, as king over Israel, and Elijah, the son of Japhat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the, war, the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And so Elijah goes and does that. For, again, for time's sake, I encourage you just at home today, read where this all finishes up. But I can tell you every single thing that God told him to do, he went and did it, and all of it fulfilled in Israel becoming the nation of God that it was supposed to be. All the right kings, all the prophet, all the right stuff, all this happened, came in place because of this. So wouldn't you think, just naturally thinking, not spiritually thinking, wouldn't you think if you read this and God says, go anoint this king, go anoint this king. Oh, and then by the way, anoint your replacement, you're fired. If, if you're naturally thinking. Because that's what I used to think this was. But it wasn't. That's not the truth. And this is the crux of what Sharon was telling us earlier, and this is what I'm hanging my whole sermon on today. God reached out to this faithful man who had served him the best he could, good, bad, and ugly, and because of God's great love and who he was to God, God recommissioned him. He didn't fire him. He recommissioned him. If he'd have fired him, he would have been done. He wouldn't have done another thing for God. He recommissioned him to go out and do these three specific things, and he did them, and it ended up changing the whole nation. Wow. You know how he did the right thing and how he obeyed, and it's all good? Because where I started, the chariot of fire and the horse of fire. If he was fired, he's not getting a limo back to headquarters. <laughs> right? right? Pack your trash and beat it. That, I've been fired before. I know what they tell you. I didn't get no limo ride. He gets the limo ride. After God recommissions them. So today, right now where we're at, I believe God stirred our hearts. Starting in worship even, God starts stirring our hearts. As I was talking today about hope and God's value to us and, and having pity parties and feeling stuck and wanting to have hope for a new day, this is today for all of us. God wants to recommission us today. I really believe it. And if you don't feel like you might get recommissioned, it doesn't matter what you feel like. If your feelings are up and down or the people around you, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. This story is proof that God's never done with us. He'll find us in our depression. He'll find us as we hide in a cave. He'll find us when we ignore what angels are saying to us. He'll find us when we're disobedient. Come out here and watch what I'm doing. Nope, I'm staying in here. You're going to do what you want. I don't care. Earthquake, so what? Hurricane, couldn't care less. Big old fire, not moving. Where are you at? You think you're too far naughty, not, not on fire enough for God for him to use you? You're wrong. Because if you're here today, God can use you. You already showed the only thing that matters. God, I love you and I want more of you. So is there anyone here 
that when I was talking about Jesus a little while ago, you're thinking, you know what, I don't know if I ever did that before. Is there anyone here that's never put their faith in God through what Jesus Christ did on the cross? You want to do that today? Raise your hand. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Anyone at all? Let me say it another way. A guy hit me with this before I was saved. I didn't respond well. If you were to die right now, do you know where you'd go? Because if you don't have Jesus and you die right now, you're going to burn in hell forever. I didn't respond real well to that. But I can tell you, it's true. It, It is true. When you boil all the other stuff away, it is true. We all do need to be concerned about our eternity. And I'm glad that this story ends with a chariot going to heaven. Because I'm going there. I don't expect a chariot. I actually expect the, the boss of whoever was in charge of those chariots, the angel leaders or whatever, th- their boss, Jesus Christ, come back for me. That, that's what I'm expecting. Or I'm going to die and instantly I'll be up there. No, I won't need a chariot. <laughs> I, I, boom, I'm there. So I just want to encourage, is there anyone here not sure? Because if you're not sure, you can raise your hand. I won't put you on spot. I won't make you come up here or anything like that. I'll just say a prayer right here. You can say right where you're at. It'll change your everything. It'll change your eternity. Anyone at all? Well, praise God, hallelujah. If, if you change your mind, would you please give me a call? You can contact me. You can go on the website. You can get a hold of me. You can catch me here before you leave. My office is right there. I'm here most Days, a few hours at least, most days. So I would love to answer any questions you have, help you process God's stirring in you. And if you have questions, that means God's stirring in you. To not have questions means you're spiritually dull and you couldn't care less one way or the other. Because I was atheist since I was 31. I know what it is. So for the rest of us, we're all born-again Christians, we're on fire for God, or at least we're born-again Christians and we know how awesome Jesus is. This is the day we're going to ask for a recommissioning. Not because I'm doing the right stuff, God. Lord knows I'm, I, I can improve in some areas. Not because my attitude's perfect. Lord, you know my attitude could probably improve in a few areas. Just like Elijah. Lord, I want a recommissioning because you've called me to serve you, and I believe you've called me to accurately uh, share you in this world with so much darkness and pain and fear. So if you want to be commissioned, just, just open up your hearts towards God, to receive from something from God right now, and just agree with me in faith as I pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for all the promises that are in your word, that we can just, we can read your Bible and we can see your promises to us. Father, I thank you for stories like this about Elijah, who did great things. He was a mighty man of God. He called fire down from heaven. He must have had amazing faith. And there were some days he wasn't doing so good. Some days he was depressed, discouraged. He even had pity parties just like us, Lord. And I thank you that you're strong enough and brave enough and righteous enough, God, that you can put stories like that in the Bible so that we know it's not by us. We're not saved by us. We're saved by grace. We're saved through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I just put my faith with all my brothers and sisters here in this room right now. We, in agreement, because agreement is the place of power, in agreement, Lord, we ask for you to fill us with fresh fire, fresh fire for each one of us. Would you please come down and fill us up, refresh us, refill us, renew us, as we sang earlier, all those same words now. Uh, like Sharon's story, Father, uh, you as the, the, the great music writer 
Would you take us now and put us according to where we need to be, with the people we need to be, at the right place that we need to be. And Lord, would you please move through us and make yourself glorified in this world. Lord, I pray for all your sons and daughters here because they're not just churchgoers. They go to church, but that's not who they are. They're sons and daughters of the Most High God. You proclaim that they're precious. You proclaim that they're priceless. You proclaim that you love them through and through because you choose to love them, not because they've earned your love. And so, Father, I pray that today as we go out of here, that there would just be fresh faith in all of us to expect your goodness to show up, not, not us earning something from you, and if I'm good enough, something good will happen, but literally like Elijah, Lord, through the good, bad, and the ugly, you and your power will manifest in our lives. Would you please do this now? I pray this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. And, Lord, I especially pray for men and women that are here this morning that feel like they've been in a cave, just like Elijah, that they, they feel like there's people that are coming after them, that there's such adversity that they, they just want to hide. Lord, would you especially touch them today? Would you bring freedom and release to each one of them? Would you bring great joy back to them? And would you lift the veils of darkness that the devil's tried to put over them? And would you cause your great joy to be their strength every day? I bless your flock right now, Lord, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.